talk us through those 80 minutes. No, we prepared to win. We knew that we were here to make history. The whole week, that's what we told ourselves. And you know what? I'm so proud of the boys. Absolutely humbled. And the guys came out. They played with enormous testicles. And we absolutely did it. Fantastic effort. I'm such a happy captain. again and welcome to another episode of the dropped kickoff um with the uh, with the world cup coming around the corner and the nrc is um starting as well um it's easy to forget that uh, a little while back during the blood is Low series we also had uh, the wallaroos finish up their international season um with their two matches against the black ferns um so with uh, with that in mind we thought we'd uh, take the time to stop and uh, reflect on the uh, season that the Wallaroos have had. Um, so I got the chance to sa- uh, sit down with uh, the Wallaroos head coach, uh, Dwayne Nesta, to talk about how this season has uh, differed compared to previous seasons, um, what the growth of the Wallaroos profile means for women's rugby, and how he envisions growing the game here in Australia and turn Australia into a, a major powerhouse of women's rugby. So please enjoy. So kind of going into this year, um, I got there was a vibe that kind of that there had been a clear statement of intent by um, by Rugby Australia kind of around the women's game because I know you, there was the appointment of, of Jilly Collins as the as head of women's rugby. There was the Uni Sevens, the Super W, um, kind of more emphasis placed on on the Wallaroos, and then obviously the pitch for the Women's World Cup. I mean, for you um, as the coach, what was kind of your goal um, as the Wallaroos coach for for the team this year? We we wanted to be able to so so our goal was to to go well against Japan and actually put some good footy together so that we could see where we were actually at um, and also prepare for the back third. So last year we didn't have any prep; we just went into camp and then played them a week later. So being able to play Japan was a good gauge on where we were at and then prep for the Black Ferns. Um, and we wanted, we just wanted to be really competitive with the Black Ferns this year. That was, that was probably the, the main goal um, as part of a long-term development towards the World Cup. Yeah, and it's kind of interesting you mentioned touching on that development and, and that, like, because this year I think was one of the first times that you know the, that you guys have actually had the chance to have a um, a lead into that series with that Japan series but there was also the Super W I kind of leading into that season how was that link with the Super W coaches and what were kind of the the key focuses that you had specifically to get the teams to get the girls ready for international level rugby so for us, when we, we sat down with the Super W coaches at the end of last year, we sort of outlined a plan of what we wanted the girls to be able to achieve physically through the strength and conditioning programs, but then also through their core skill development and how much knowledge we put into them in terms of you know game play and, and technical play. So the big focus early on in that prep period post-Super W was core skill and, and some decent physical work uh, and then as we got closer to the test matches it became more tactical and they you know put in we started to incorporate the systems in and uh, the state staff were, were by and large excellent like they they provided a really good environment so you know the link between the super w into the 
preparation for the test matches was pretty good. Um, mm. But, there, but there's, there's always ways of us uh, tweaking that to get it better. Yeah. So it kind of leading into that and leading into that into the Japan series, um, there was a lot of talk, you know, like because of, because you know there was your festival had the actual series itself. Um, you know, I mentioned Grace Hamilton talked about that there was a lot of competition and vibe within the actual group. That there was competition between the the older veteran players and and the younger up and comers who had made their way through the Uni Sevens through the Super W. Um, what was how was the vibe and competition for spaces between the girls? How was it for you looking at it from a purely coaching perspective? That was probably one of the really pleasing aspects of this year is that we actually saw more competition for position. So we had situations where girls who previously probably would have thought they would have been selected in the squad for Japan and or the Black Ferns mm. not making it. So that sort of that that's a pretty good reflection on one what the Super W has been able to provide in terms of increased depth. Um, and two, that we're actually identifying some other young talent which is putting pressure on the more, uh, more experienced players. So I think we're, he- we're definitely, heading, definitely heading in the right direction there in terms of building competition for spots. And we've, we've still got a bit to go. We've still got um, room for improvement across the, the whole team in certain positions, but, uh, but definitely heading in the right direction. Um, who were the kind of during that period? Who were the kind of what was the 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 players that really stood out to you? I mean, we've talked a lot about great, how Grace Hamilton kind of stepped up as a leader. Um, uh, Alessia Fakasalia as well in the back in the back line. Um, in terms of kind of the players that kind of really showed diligence and improvement in the season, who was the, some of the players that really stood out to you? Uh, so someone like someone like an, an, an Mitchell was really conscientious and diligent and she, she played some good rugby for the, the Reds girls mm-hmm. but during that prep period she did a lot of work and she actually came on quite well um, and, and we've got to remember she's pretty raw to this as well so she hasn't got a huge training age in terms of rugby skills so she's got a lot more development in her players like um, Eva Capani and, and Chris Sakona mm-hmm. like they had huge potentials as tight heads but they're so raw and they've got so much so much to learn mm. um, you sort of think oh geez, like you know what are they going to be like in two years time um, then then other players like like Georgia Cormick at, at halfback she's she's extraordinarily conscientious in her work and she's always like she, you would call her a student of the game because she's always thinking about the game and how she can be better um, and I think she's showed against Japan um that she is going to be a very, very good international halfback. So, you know, and once again, it's very early days of her career, but, you know, that, the example that they set in terms of their application to their work in that prep period and their diligence to their learning and their development was, was outstanding. Yeah. So would you say that kind of that touching on that point you make about a honing of skills... Um, I mean, because it is, it is a case of developing the, the Wallaroos. It really is playing the long game um, around growing this over the next couple of years. For leading into that Japan series, was skills kind of a major uh, point that you really wanted to put a stamp on and make some improvements on? Because the talent was clearly there in those squads throughout that season leading up to those games. Yeah, oh, huge. Like the, the focus on our core skill 
uh, was massive, uh, and and we've still got we still got a lot more improvement in that area. And, and for a lot of the girls, um, and, and I say this with no disrespect to the coaching they've got or the environments that they're in in their club environments, but they just don't get put under the pressure that a, a test match provides, mm. and that's where that's where those core skills really get tested, really get put under pressure. So we've still got a lot of work to do in that area, but it was a huge focus for us to, to actually do the simple things really well, um, because once you've, once you've got that as a, you know, a basis, uh, it's, a, it's a strong foundation to build from. Yeah, exactly. So, kind of leading into that, uh, that the, the thoughts on the on the Japan series because I don't think the Wallaroos before that before that had actually, with the exception of obviously test matches against the Black Ferns, had had their own uh, series. Um, what was in terms of kind of everything from kind of the the fan response to the how it was a big profile graph for the Wallaroos um, to the actual results themselves in Newcastle was a close one and then in North Sydney over the girls were kind of really let loose um, what were your thoughts um, based on the growth of the players from uh, based on after that Japan result yeah look I think when you look at it like the, the first test against Japan was the first home win uh, by the Wallaroos. Now, previously, pretty much all their rugby was played overseas, um, and they played very little here at home. So, to get that first win at home was was pleasing, and you know that 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 gave the girls the opportunity to create a little bit of their own history. So, <clears throat> going through that that series was invaluable, I think, in terms of creating uh, some confidence within the team, but also some. Uh, engagement and confidence within the rugby community that you know the, that the Wallaroos are going to be able to provide those people who want to watch women's rugby at the highest level. Uh, mm. You know the, the Wallaroos are going to be able to provide that over the next couple of years with quite a few home test matches. Mm, yeah, and that was kind of something I wanted to to ask you about because the the vibe I got from everyone was that um, having the Wallaroos have their own series um, was a really positive boon for them. Um, not in terms of not just in terms of raising the Wallaroos profile, but just how great it was to see them play at home because they hadn't played many games at home. Um, what? Uh, how many tests going? Are there any pl- uh, planned test series going forward so that this will become a regular fixture? Yeah, so look, the, the, the plans have been put in place and Gilly's done a really good job in terms of creating uh, a, a test program for us this year. And, and you know, I like it, it, nothing's been set in stone 100% uh, certain yet, but, you know, we're looking at games against the USA and Canada at home next year. We've got one, one test against the Black Ferns again. That'll be in Melbourne as part of that double header with the Blooders love. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and then, uh, and then, you know, Julie's looking at having England and France, um, here next November. So if you, if, you know, if you're a fan of women rugby and you like watching the Wallaroos, there's going to be quite a few standalone test matches mm-hmm. that, um, the Wallaroos will be able to provide the fans next year. Uh, you know, I think you just need, needed to look at that, uh, the atmosphere, especially at Newcastle. I thought Newcastle was Awesome. Like, really, it was like almost like the perfect stadium to play mm. uh, that, that Japan Test match because there was a really good vibe around the feet, around the ground, a really good atmosphere. Um, mm. And uh, yeah, like I think the girls really enjoyed being in that type of atmosphere. 
Yeah, and yeah, and it was. I think it was that was kind of one of the big positives to actually just see um, how much it actually meant to them to play, um, to actually represent their their country and play at home. Um, kind of leading on to that, um, obviously the the New Zealand series you're up against uh, was a really strong team in the Black Ferns, and even though um, you know the results didn't go our way. Um, it's it's increasingly clear with every year um, that we watch the girls play that the the, the previous years of your sixty point thrashings are, are far behind us. Um, even though um, you know the the results, even though we didn't get the results, um, what were kind of what were some of the experiences that the girls got out of it, and what did you learn from it as a coach? kind of with that it's it it touches on like the things specific skills going down to, to the specific skills that you mentioned around touching like playing on uh, the um how ball security and those small things that that New Zealand does so well is kind of a key thing that we can learn from because you you only learn uh you 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 get better by playing the best uh regularly um and I think that kind of comes through in a lot of the progress that the the Walrus have had over the couple, couple of last couple of years, wouldn't you think? Yeah, oh, definitely, definitely. That's the thing like that. That's why that's why I'm so keen to play the best teams in the world as much as we can because you do you learn you learn from playing the best the best rugby players in the world. And but you know the Black Ferns they did they showed us this year that uh, in that first test that we needed to value the ball and we you know I think for us it was a real it was a mental thing because we had eight balls stripped in that first test mm. and we only had we only had two stripped in the second test but we we regained uh, we regained the, the possession of the ball from one of those. So mm. in effect it went from eight turnovers to one turnover just simply by a change of attitude. So um, you know, like if they taught us a lesson in that first test and we reacted to that. So um, you know, and that like you'd like to think that we might over the time put them in pressure situations where they're learning from us as well. So, to, you know, every opposition provides you with an, an opportunity to learn um, and develop, which, you know, which is a good attitude to have. I think you, you can't shy away from make, making errors. You've got to look at them as, um, as challenges that you, you're going to learn from. 
Yeah, exactly. And I think that it's a, it's a key part of the learning process and becoming a better team. So kind of after that New Zealand New Zealand series, um, while the, the season is over for, uh, well, uh, in some capacity for this year, I, mean, I think we mentioned before we, we started recording that the girls will be going on a, on a development tour later in the year, kind of going forward in terms of uh, actually cr- like gr- growing and building on this program uh, that that Jill has uh, started with uh, with the Wallaroos. And, I mean, I, I really get a sense with this team that we're really playing a long game, that over the next five, ten years, um, this is going to become a key part of, uh, of the growth of the game. Um, going forward, for you personally, what's the, what is the long-term goals uh, with, uh, with these players and with the Wallaroos? Well, definitely, you're, sort of, you're putting a little into a so we want to be competitive at the next World Cup. So come 2021, we want to be, you know, we want to be trying to make those semi-finals. That's that's for us to get to the semi-finals. And then I, I think once you start playing finals footy, anything can happen. So you know, for us, it's, it's definitely uh, an opportunity to develop to the point where we're one of the best top four teams in the world. Mm. So that's you know that's that's the next two years. But then like, what, what's to stop us from winning? Um, you know, winning winning twenty twenty one or winning twenty twenty five, like, you know, we should be we should be setting sort of our sights on being at in that space as soon as we can. So, you know, in seven years time if we're holding up a, a, a women's World Cup, how good. Like that'd be awesome. And, yeah, and you know, yeah. and if it but if it came earlier in twenty twenty one because we're able to fast track our development, that'd be even better. And and you could imagine the impact that that would have on the growth of the game, especially the female game in Australia. Mm, exactly, and it's, it would say a lot about how much uh, when you get when you put the amount of time and effort into into growing the game, how much um, uh, how much that can yield for you in terms of results. Because I know in the past the Wallaroos have only played something around fifty tests or so, whereas the the teams you have in the likes of England and stuff have have played hundreds of tests and have had a more regular system in place. Yeah, I definitely. You know, like we've we played fifty-four test matches um, in the history of the Wallaroos, and, and I, you know, Kendra Coxedge, uh, the, the Black Ferns nine, she played her fiftieth in, in the last test this year. So it just puts in perspective. You know, there's there's a, a, uh, a girl in England who's played one hundred and fifty test mm-hmm. matches. So that's that's you know that puts it well and truly into perspective. And um, you know, during the the Super Series in San Diego, where the Blackburns were playing, you know, the likes of England, USA, Canada, and France. Mm. There was a comment made about, you know, to win a Women's World Cup, you need 600 caps in your team. Mm. <laughs> and I just sort of thought, geez, you know, potentially we'd be lucky to get to 100 caps. So, <laughs> it, uh, it, you know, you're putting it into that sort of perspective. And uh, the, the great thing is, is that as our test program increases over the coming years, our girls just continue to get uh, more and more experience at, at that international level, which is only going to be a positive for us. Yeah, exactly. And kind of as a, as a last point to for us to finish up on, for you personally, I mean, you've been the coach for, I think, close to two years now, is it? Um, yeah. Yeah, so kind of for you personally, whenever... Uh, is is that kind of what you'd like to see, you know, in the next five or ten years or so? The kind of what for you personally would be that achievement? Is it just purely down to uh, to to winning a World Cup or kind of getting the team up, to, or is it more down to uh, getting the team up to that level, or is it more down to 
um, actually just really kind of setting the foundation uh, in place for the future, future successes like that and to ensure that the women's team become a regular uh, contender um, and a regular and a strong and a strong team on a global level. Yeah, you know, I'd love to win a 2021 20, World Cup. <laughs> There's no doubt about that. And the, the, the picture I've painted for myself, but also for the team, is that you know we want to be competitive in that tournament. And we, if we get the final footy, you never know what happens. So you know, you sort of say that for me personally, that would be outstanding. But if, if I can, if if, I, if part of my role was to leave the girls' game in a better a position in a better shape than what you know, I it was when I came in. Then you know I've done my part to develop the game, um, and you know, it's like I'm just one tiny part of the, the, the puzzle. You know, like my assistant coaches, you know, the Wallaroos assistant coaches, and mm. the, the SNC staff and all that. Like they, they play a huge role in the development of the team, and then you know below that, and this is the message that I've given the Super W coaches is that. They're actually coaching Wallaroos mm. because they they spend more time with the girls who end up playing in the Wallaroos. So mm. you know, they've got a huge, huge responsibility. So I'm only one tiny little part of a, a big wheel. Uh, but if, if that wheel can spin and we can get some success at the top level, then you know, I'd like to think I've, I've helped in that way. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's it's it's great to see that if if that is where the, the, the team is headed and we're in for exciting times ahead. Um, thank you so much for, for coming on and having a chat. Um, Dwayne, really, really exciting and I can't wait to see uh, what you guys, are, what's in store next for the Wallaroos and also just for the growth and building of depth in the women's game going forward. Yeah, well, it's a positive time for women's rugby, I think, and, and uh, you know, the Men's World Cup is it's just about just around the corner, but I think you know the women's game and, and what the Wallaroos have done this year has been fantastic to help help uh, build the game and, and, and continue some growth in, in uh, participant numbers. So it's good. Awesome. Cheers. Thanks very much for coming on, mate. No worries at all. Cheers. So cheers to Dwayne Nestor there for coming on the podcast and having a chat to us about the growth of the game of the women's game here in Australia and where he sees uh, the game going over the next five or ten years or so. It's a really exciting time for, for, for the women's game here in Australia, and it's really cool to see where that will be going over the next few years, particularly with those uh, potential upcoming tests as well against the likes of England and Ireland, as well as Canada and the USA. Um, so that will wrap us up for uh, this episode of The Dropped Kickoff. Um, if you are looking for any more information in regards to uh, the Wallaroo series, uh, Rugby Reg wrote a really good article earlier this week detailing uh, his review of the series who were the st- and who were the standout players. Um, but yeah, until then, uh, we hope uh, you enjoyed this weekend's opening round of uh, the NRC. Um, as well as the upcoming World Cup. And yeah, we'll try and get another drop kickoff podcast to you soon. Um, so until then, um, we'll catch you the next time around. But what did go wrong? I'll have to look look and think about it. Think about it deeply, very deeply. Did it hinge in the end on a bit of genius from Sirelli Bombo? Bit of genius, bit of magic. Sirelli Bombo, very interesting, very good, yeah. Very good. Three cheers for Sirelli Bombo, very good, very good. <laughs>